Yeah, I'm aghast when people say, oh, and no, it's not right to fear the Lord. I say, don't you know your Bible? The whole, the Psalms is just soaked in the fear of the Lord and promises to those that fear the Lord. And Scripture says it's the beginning of wisdom. And if you don't fear God, you haven't begun to get wise, mm. which shows where most of humanity's at. They just don't fear God. Scriptures say there is no fear of God before their eyes, and that's why the world's in such a terrible mess. If the fear of God was there, we'd obey God. That's what the, that's what the fear of the Lord does. Through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That's what we need to preach. So, Oscar, I recently threatened a lawsuit against you. Facts. Yeah. Can you please tell our friends why I did that? Why I justifiably and legitimately did that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Your sinful suit against me is about my ability to taste flavor notes in coffee that you cannot. You sent me a picture (laughs) of new coffee you got. I think it's called Herkmeyer. Should we even be promoting it or giving it any attention whatsoever? It's delightful. Is it German? Herkmeyer. The flavor notes. No, no, no. I'm going to tell the flavor notes. Pink lemonade and lime zest. Elderflower and lime zest. I don't think that was delightful. Oscar, is there no shame? Is there no place where you just stop and say, you know, this is outright wrong? (laughs) Pink lemonade and coffee? (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, this is an abomination. Wait, what's going on over there, you guys? Oh, Mark said I had a straight eyebrow here, and I just don't want to be on the program if one of my eyebrows here. Hey, you looked like you were plucking a chicken. I was ripping the whole whole thing out. Mark says he's got to go. Took a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) Is this like the fly thing, Ray? When you have a fly in your house, you go crazy? Oh, yeah, I actually do. I smash things over. I don't care. (laughs) Poor Sue ends up bruised up, black and blue, the whole house destroyed. Uh So you can kill a fly. Over a fly. We'll deal with that, the eyebrow hair later. eh? My dog goes crazy with flies. Does your dog go crazy with flies? No. Why don't you wash it? What's my dog go crazy with? She goes crazy when I come home. She's doing uh, what's... Oh, I would too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She runs out the back door, doesn't she? (laughs) She just imitates the rest of the family (laughs) when I get home. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, today thanks, we're Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for joining <laughs> we're doing us. We're an episode? For the Living Waters podcast. By the way, friends, I'm going to say this at the outset. Please rate us, <laughs> R-A-T-E, the program, and give us stars and leave a comment so that we know you are... Subscribe. He's still plucking the eyebrow. What's <laughs> <laughs> Have I gone? Your face is going yeah, red from all the okay. plucking. Ray, I'm going to take no. another picture and show you. I think you ripped out all your hair. <laughs> yeah, seriously, he's no like he's plucking a chicken. Believe it. Yeah, let's, so look. let's get on with the program. Yeah, friends. So again, if you like it, give us a five-star rating. Subscribe, rate. Subscribe and share and leave a comment too. Does that cover, Oscar, all the things they should be doing? Subscribe, rate, and comment. Let me ask you, why why is that important? Why do we even care? Mark Spence, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. Uh, You know, as we looked at the types of podcasts that were out there under categories like vague ones like spirituality or even more specific one like Christianity, what we realized is that the majority of some of those top podcasts are utterly unbiblical and lacked the glory of God. So by rating, subscribing, and leaving a comment, it triggers the podcast algorithms to make it so that if anybody is Googling a Christian podcast, it's going to help the Living Waters podcast be at the top of that Google search or podcast search. And so ultimately, 
by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. You're sort of partnering with us and making sure that this gospel-centered, God-glorifying podcast is being heard by others, uh, potentially even non-believers. I wonder if it's the only Christian podcast with an Arab on it. Possibly. (laughs) <laughs> ugly that makes it very special so would it be a good idea to maybe pause this podcast and go do that and come back because you haven't yet mark no my mom did last you did, night i know i heard mama, <laughs> she mama did. Spence. yeah no it was uh every beehive yeah is that the one yeah and friends also along with doing that to podcast at livingwaters.com you can leave comments there tell us what you think and give us ideas for subjects yes love getting if those. you have a question you're like man i just wish they would cover this or answer this question or help me think through this thing, send us an email and uh, we look at those and who knows, it might end up becoming an entire podcast episode. You know what would be a good idea for a podcast? Hmm. Fearing God. We should do an episode someday on fearing God and what does that mean? Eh, Prove it. All right, we're jumping in, friends. The fear of the Lord. Mark Spence was trying to be smart. He's not. Ray, what are you doing now? Are you going for <laughs> Why armpit are you hair? Quiet? No, the, are you plucking the, armpit hairs now? That, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the word haywire and where it came from, and it's from oh, the eyebrows. No. Got a snipe. Here we go. I remember again. seeing a picture of Richard, <laughs> seeing a picture of Richard Dawkins disappearing behind his eyebrows many years ago. <laughs> you do have a loose hair. Wait, who is that guy? Is it Andy Rooney? No, no Andy. He, Andy Rooney did. He uh, he got tumbleweeds. He just disappeared oh, boy. behind tumbleweeds. They were massive. But he was an atheist. Yeah. And so it didn't matter. It was just survival of the fittest. <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. If you're an atheist, don't worry about your eyebrows. That's it. That's right. Just let it Sign go. Of honor it's that it's just kind of letting people. nature have its way. Yeah. Let them evolve into whatever. All right. The fear of the Lord. Ray, this has been, I would say, one of your probably most prominent doctrines in terms of something that you regularly talk about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Yeah. I'm aghast when. People say, oh, no, it's not right to fear the Lord. I said, don't you know your Bible? The whole, the Psalms is just soaked in the fear of the Lord and promises to those that fear the Lord. And Scripture says it's the beginning of wisdom. And if you don't fear God, you haven't begun to get wise, mm-hmm. which shows where most of humanity's at. They just don't fear God. Scriptures say there is no fear of God before their eyes, and that's why the world's in such a terrible mess. If the fear of God was there, we'd obey God. That's what the, that's what the fear of the Lord does. Through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That's what we need to preach. Yeah, it's become one of those things, guys, wouldn't you say, that's become kind of a lost doctrine uh, in terms of what's being preached. It's kind of like hell. It's not talked about much. It's not popular. I think oftentimes it's that finger to the wind with with pastors. How are people going to feel? Is my congregation going to stick with us? Are they going to take off? You know, stuff like that. So... Mark, what's going on with the fear of God in our nation? Well, we live in a day and age where people want to have their ears tickled. And that doesn't exactly tickle the ears, even if you're trying to pluck the hair out of it, right, Ray? (laughs) (laughs) I don't pluck hair out of my ears. I just get the lawnmower out. (laughs) Why is it that as you get older, the hair... All right, squirrel. So somebody said, this isn't original. I don't know who said it. Maybe you guys know. We fear man so much because we fear God so little. That's good. It is a powerful... Powerful quote. And if nobody knows who said it, well, then I'll just take credit for it. But I have no idea where I it came it. from. It, it is an idea. We live in a day and age where we want pastors and teachers to confirm and affirm our lifestyle. Yeah. 
It doesn't matter what it is. Do you know, I'm horrified by my sinful nature, and the consolation I have is the fear of the Lord. That's the dam that stops my sinful nature having its own way, because I fear God. Yes. And it's something we should cultivate, and the Bible says we gain the fear of the Lord through understanding. If you've got a wrong concept of God's nature and character, and you think he is the old man in the sky that's reaching out his finger to touch Adam's mm. finger, you won't fear God. But once you realize that he is to be feared, that he put the sun together, you know, and he holds it together, and he knows the atom that's right in the middle of the sun doing its little circles. He sees it because he made it. When you get the right concept of God, it's breathtaking. And that's what gives you the ability to hold back that atom which so wants to come out. Remember Adam in Pilgrim's Progress? Christian was walking along, and suddenly a man leapt out from behind a tree and grabbed his flesh and pulled it. Oh, yeah. And he said, who are you? He says, I'm Adam. Ah. And that is so, such a wonderful allegory and so true that Adam's there to pull our flesh yeah. constantly. I think that the thing that's falling apart is a distinction between the creature and the creator, which is something that Augustine talked often about. He wanted us to recognize that God is God simply, that God is God and we are not. And the more we diminish the distinction between us and him, the more we think that we are more like God, that he is more like us. We make him anthropomorphic. We look at him through anthropomorphic lenses. Justin Taylor wrote, God reveals himself to us in human terms, yet we must not compare God to us as if we were the ultimate reference point. And I think that's exactly it. We start to see mankind as bigger than what we really are, and we start seeing God as smaller, and then we lose a sense of fear and reverence for who he is. Wow. You know, it's somebody, somebody once said, you know, God made man in his image, and for thousands of years, man has attempted to return the favor and create God in man's image. Yeah. And think that God is altogether like us, and God rebuked the people. You think that I'm altogether like you, and therefore you've erred. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think we have what I would call the buddy syndrome today. Mm. There's a total loss of reverence for the Lord, and people have this nonchalant attitude, the Lord's my buddy. Again, Ray, you nailed it. Like, do we forget that this is the God that flung the stars and the planets into their orbits and set them spinning? The God that uses the earth as his footstool before whom all the nations are but a drop in the bucket, that they're like the fine dust on the scales. I mean, I love that imagery, you know? You don't cons- you don't go, oh, let me wipe the dust off the scales because that might add some weight. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. like, it's nothing to me. Like, I span the universe with my hands. Heaven and the heaven of heavens can't contain me. And we're like, hey, buddy. Oh, even saying that, like, I feel yeah. I'm being blasphemous, you know? That goes, it's a bedfellow with, I got mad at God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Yeah. Don't play with forked lightning, but don't get mad at God. Are you crazy? You know, and it just shows a lack of humility. You don't see it in scripture where Daniel's in the lion's den. He didn't shake his fist and get angry at God. He got on his knees. And that's the attitude we should have when trials come. And if you've got no fear of God, you will get angry at God. And it just shows you're worshiping an idol. We think way too much of ourselves and way too little of God. And I think about like, well, some people might be thinking, how do you teach your kids that? Because we try to teach our kids not to be afraid of anything. And we teach our kids that having fear over something, let's say a spider, let's start there. Having fear over a spider is Ugh. basically 
giving something power over you. So if, if my kids see a spider in the room and they're afraid of it, we tell them, you have now assigned it power over you. You're adjusting where you're sitting in the room and you're yelling for us and you're seeing as this spider as power over you. But in that context of fear, all you have to do is not be afraid of it and take the power back, right? You have to recognize that I can crush this thing like a bug that it really is. I can pick it up and move it out of my room, or I can decide I'm going to allow you to live in my room for your short lifespan. You have now taken the power back. So fear is ultimately recognize something has power over you. And that's the thing about the fear of the Lord is recognizing his power over us and realizing that there is no taking that power back. But there's also comfort in recognizing that he has power over us. So fear ultimately is not a bad thing. Fear can tell us something true about the world around us. If I'm standing at the edge of a giant cliff, like say the Grand Canyon, my body and my soul is telling me to have a reverential fear because I don't want to die, because I want to go home with my kids, right? So fear is telling me something true about the world. And in that sense, the fear of the Lord tells us something true about who he is. Which namely, I think, deals with God's holiness. That's what's missing. God is holy. You know, consider in 1 Chronicles 13, where we have the Ark of the Covenant being carried through the land, and it begins to topple over. And as it goes to grab it so it doesn't fall and touch the ground, R.C. Sproul has a very powerful thought concerning this. He says, Uzzah presupposed that he was cleaner than the dirt that it was to fall on. (laughs) That's one one of the most profound lines I've ever heard. And I've heard, you know, Sproul share that. But it's true. It's that presumption. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm worthy to touch it. You know, I'm better than dirt. You know, I I came across something online that was summarized well in describing fear. And and it talked about there's, there's what's called healthy fear, harmful fear, and holy fear. So healthy fear, and Ray talks about this, where fear is our friend, right? Jumping off of a cliff, right? Or, or being cl- too close to the edge of a cliff. Or, I mean, that, that's like, that's the good kind of fear. Uh, you know, if you feel fear, if you fall into a, a lion's enclosure at the zoo, or someone puts a gun to your head, or you get a jury summons in the mail, right? I mean, that, that's fear. That's proper fear. It's funny. I was uh, preparing for a sermon a couple nights ago, and Rachel comes into my office, and I'm, I'm doing a sermon actually on the fear, uh, on, uh, Christian's not walking in fear. She comes into my office and she's holding a jury summons with a wicked smirk on her face. And I'm, I'm like in this spiritual mode. I'm preparing for my message, no fear of anything. And immediately, without even thinking, I'm like, no! <laughs> I mean, dread beyond description. And then she comes up to me and I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm on the brink of tears. And she shows it to me and it said, Rachel Zwayne on it. And I go, ah, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. But yeah, there's a healthy fear. Then there's a harmful fear. The fear of man is a snare, yeah. right? It says in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And the word there is, is shameful timidity, a selfish type of fear. I, I'm not willing to go and be used by the Lord because I'm worried about what might happen to me, or I'm, not, I'm worried to speak up or, or speak truth or to confront someone because of their reaction. I'm fear- That's a bad kind of fear. And then there's the holy fear. 
the fear of the Lord, which as we've already talked about is the beginning of wisdom. Let me ask you this. If someone had said, okay, but aren't I as a Christian no longer afraid of condemnation? How do we distinguish fearing God versus fearing damnation. Yeah, and that, and that, this is a very, very key and crucial point. When we talk about the fear of God for the Christian, we're not talking about terror and dread. Fear of judgment and eternal death. Right. When we talk about the fear of God as Christians, we're talking about awe. We're talking about respect. We're talking about wonder. Reverent fear. Reverence, exactly. All of that combines in our fear of God. It's not this like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of God. I'm scared of God. And why not? Well, because he's our father, because we're his children, because yeah. we know that he never condemns us. Even, even when God deals with us in our sin or rebellion, he's not punishing us. Punishment is retribution. He's disciplining us. Yeah. So God will and never Hebrews punish for our children. Good. The punishment was done at the cross. Right. So anything that might look like punishment is a confusing act. What, he, what he's really doing is he chastises refining. those whom he loves. He corrects. He's refining. Yeah. He's preparing. And he's prepping. Right. Yeah. There's that the that fear of death of damnation is done at the cross through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, through him receiving the fullness of the wrath of God on our behalf, we are adopted as sons and daughters. And what the scriptures say is it's like we come under his wing, his protection. And so in one sense, we have a father in heaven who is good, who loves us, who through the cross has forgiven us and who is protecting us. And in another sense, we have a father in heaven who's leading us and guiding us. And one of my favorite quotes on fear is in the Chronicles of Narnia. It's, it's when the little girl is asking the beaver about meeting the lion. She says, Aslan is a lion? The lion, the great lion? And then she gets scared. She says, oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And the beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's giving us an understanding of how we can fear God and trust in his goodness as believers. Yeah. You know, Ray, for the unbeliever though, Hebrews 10.31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I'd love you to speak to that. The, yes. The, the appropriate terror fear that unbelievers should have. Yeah, I'd far rather fall under the face of the sun than fall into the hands of the living God. And, and that word fall has a connotation with it. It's like falling into the hands of the law. It's because of your guilt and you fall into the hands, there's going to be retribution. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because we have transgressed his law, his wrath abides upon us. And every time we sin, we stir up his wrath. Easy, I was just thinking before, how so often I hear people say, I am God when I try to witness to them. Yeah. And I think to myself, have you never had a cough? <laughs> Seriously, you got a little cough. <clears throat> yeah. And it takes over. You get spittled down the wrong little drain pipe, yeah. whatever's down there, and you just, for 20 minutes, <sighs> and you just cannot stop it. And I think, you know, God wouldn't have a problem like that sort of thing. <laughs> and so it's, it's so sad. And I think the first mention, do you know where the first mention of the fear of God is? Uh, no, I don't. Oscar? No? Deuteronomy? Genesis? Yeah, it's Genesis. Genesis That's, 22. Oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, Genesis 22, where Abraham went to offer Isaac, and God says, now I know that you fear me. Mm. And, and the wonderful thing about the fear of the Lord is that it gives God preeminence. I have no problem with putting God first. He that loves father, mother, 
brother, sister, and his own life more than me is not worthy of me. I have no problem putting the Lord first because I know he's my maker and everything I've got, every blessing I have comes by his goodness. So when you fear God, you don't bristle at the thought of not loving your family as much as you love the God that gave them to you. Wow. Yeah, I think we've touched before on the whole issue of suffering and pain, and I think that's when we begin to see people sort of lose touch with the fear of God, Mm. and it turns into that, what they believe is justified anger toward God. I loved Job's initial response after he was struck with his trials, right? Lost everything that he had, lost his children, lost his health then, and his wife sees him in this misery and says, curse God and die. And I love what he said to her. You know, he said, shall we accept good from God and not adversity? And and before that, right, when he lost everything, he fell on his face and he worshiped. After tearing his clothes and shaving his head, a sign of distress, which is legitimate. But then he said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor did he charge God with wrong. And that to me is the byproduct of a sober heart and mind that says, I understand who God is, and I dare not step over the line of ceasing to walk in the fear of the Lord, that reverence, that awe, that respect, and recognizing who he truly is in his power and his might and in his glory. Well, I said at Job's feet, I am so humbled by how he handled it, because I don't handle adversity like that. Nothing right. like that. I fall yeah, way short. I stub my toe. It's yeah. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Uh, you have ugly feet. Well, that's because I keep stubbing it. Um, Ray will pluck the hair off your feet if you'd like. <laughs> the feet says you got like your feet. Just quote Romans to them, okay? Preach right, the gospel. Your feet are beautiful. Beautiful. Question for you guys. In the deconstruction culture that we live in now, one of the common pushbacks on especially the verse, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. Someone would say or often says, well, it's an abusive relationship one that is based on fear first. How can we have a healthy relationship with a God who we're supposed to fear? How would you guys respond to that kind of statement? We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Well, I would respond to it in the same way that I did when Mark asked for the distinction in terms of, or you did actually, b- between the fear that Christians have and non-Christians have. I, I fear him in the way that I would a loving, kind father, because he's revealed to me what his heart is. And, and not just that, but he paid the highest price in the history of the universe to make me his. And if I read Ephesians 1, I look and I see all that God says he's done for me. 
he's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ. He chose me in him before the foundation of the world. He's adopted me as a son. He's made me accepted in the beloved. In him, I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So his love has been demonstrated in abundance. And on top of that, what's Romans say? He demonstrated his own love toward me and that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. So all my sin has been revealed. You know, there have been accounts where people who were living in secret type of criminal activity, even people like, who've committed murder. Like Mark. Like Mark, yes, of course. Mark's boss. <laughs> <laughs> they were glad and relieved right. once found out. it was uncovered, right? Because now they don't have to hide anymore. The terror of hiding and trying to, to stay clear was worse than when they were finally uncovered. And I think sometimes what we do is we downplay things. For example, I might say, oh, my parents, yeah, when I was young, they used to beat me. But you know what? They did the best they could, and they didn't mean it. And, and, and you know, they, they were good parents. It's no big deal. And, and then I say, and I love them. Now, what I'm doing is I'm downplaying the severity of what they've done, uh-huh. and now I'm loving that false image, which really isn't anything significant, right? But if I say, no, my parents were abusive, it was horrible, it was terrible, it was unacceptable, it was, it was heinous, and then I say, and I forgive them and I love them. Mm-hmm. That shows it in its glory. So with God, he saw the fullness of our sin while we were yet sinners, his enemies at the pinnacle, the zenith of our rebellion. He loved us. He knew all there was to know about us from beginning to end and he made us his own. And so that's why I can have a relationship that's yeah. based on the reality of that because I know what I deserve and what he did. And so, and in that, there's that reverence, that awe, that respect. That's good. So if I'm hearing you correctly, and this is how I answered that question when it was asked of me, the question is mistaken because it's saying the beginning of our relationship with God is fear. No, 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 no. The beginning of our relationship with God is grace. Mm. It is his grace extended to us because he loved us while we were sinners, he forgave us by making the ultimate sacrifice. What the verse says, the beginning of wisdom, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. For us to be able to understand anything about this world, about ourselves, about sin, about glory, we must first understand God and who he is in all of his glory and majesty and power and all of his deserving of praise. The beginning of any good wisdom is fearing the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 28, it says that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it says, let us therefore be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We always have to put the context together, right? When people say, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. I say, listen, the goodness perhaps to some degree doesn't have anything to do with it. Let, let's deal with it. Let's pretend like it does for just a moment. As Paul Washer says that the, the most terrifying thing you'll ever hear is that God is good. Why? Because you're not, hmm. right? But God is a consuming fire. And if we examine the nature of God and the nature of man, we are diametrically opposed one to the other. And the example that I've used on our television program is if I were to light a leaf on fire, excuse me, if I take fire and I put it next to a dried out leaf, the fire must consume the leaf because the nature of the fire is different than the nature of the leaf. Well, the Bible describes God here in Hebrews 12 verse 29 as a consuming fire. So anything less than the nature of God must be consumed by definition of nature. Wow. God's nature is different than man. And God, we see it continually, God rebuking man because man thinking that God is like him. No, 
God is altogether different. He is other. And I think that there is, to some degree, a crossover when we begin to think of what it means to have a fear of God as a believer and as a non-believer, that that they are, to some degree, bedfellows, and that we must continually have this reverential fear, not because I'm afraid that he's going to squish me. I'm not not afraid of that. He, He punished his son, so he'll never punish me. But there is still this idea of placing God where he rightfully belongs. Yeah. On my way here, as I was driving here, I have like a 35-minute drive here. I'm making my practice to pray out loud because I know when I'm not speaking out loud, I've stopped praying and my brain kind of wanders. And I said, by way of reminder, not for you, God, but for me, you are holy and you are perfect and you are just and you are loving. And I said, thank you for this reminder today. That's good. God is to be feared. Yeah. You know, those who don't fear the Lord need to read a few Bible verses that put the fear of God in you, such as you quoted it before. Psalm 50, you thought us altogether like you. Yeah. And then the following verse says, consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and be none to deliver. Goodness me. Um, wow. that, that puts the fear of God in you. But our big question as Christians isn't just about the fear of the Lord. It's how can we put the fear of God in the ungodly to bring yeah. them to the foot of the cross? Commandments. And what's that? The commandments. Yes. That's Never heard good. of them. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> some wise man. Thanks for informing Ray on that, Mark. Some wise man once said. I'm standing right here. <laughs> Literally, he's right here, Ray. He said wise man, Oscar. <laughs> some wise man once said, law without consequence is nothing but good advice. Ooh. And it's so true. God's law, the Ten Commandments, are a great idea. You shall not steal, that'll help society. You shall not kill, mm-hmm, that's good. Honor your father and mother, that's great. Don't commit adultery, that, yeah, that causes mixed, messed up relationships. Law without consequence is nothing but good advice. What we have to do is do what Paul did so often as preach future punishment. When he's in Athens, he said there are consequences. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? because he has appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness. So as we do what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says the Messiah, he shall magnify the law and make it honorable. As we expound that law, it widens the eyes of the ungodly when they realize that God requires truth in the inward parts. That as Paul said, the law is spiritual, that he sees lust as adultery, hatred as murder. As they realize that God is going to hold them accountable for every idle word spoken, conscience bears witness that judge, the impartial judge in the court of the mind, condemns the mouth is stopped, and then they become ready for grace. Wow. So it's essential that men fear God because they'll never embrace the Savior unless they flee from wrath to come. I can't say how anyone can truly repent without understanding they've offended God. Just one other point here. That's the difference between Joseph and David. Mm. David gazed and continued to gaze. He gave himself to lust. Lust brings forth sin, and when it's conceived, brings forth death, which is what it did for, for David and his child. But Joseph immediately said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? I'd never noticed it until I wrote a book. I can't remember what it's called, uh, that one about trials and Joseph. Joseph wasn't just saying, how can I do this thing and sin against God? He was dividing those two thoughts. Because the previous verse, he said to Potiphar's wife who said, come and sleep with me, your husband, my master, has lavished his goodness upon me. How can I do this thing and sin against God? 
How could he betray the trust that Potiphar's put in him by committing adultery with his wife and at the same time he was sinning against God? And that's why he ran out. And that's what we've got to realize, that God has poured his goodness upon us. God's given me eyesight and hearing and taste buds and a wife and children, a dog, and all these wonderful things. You could have left dog out. I could. (laughs) How could I do this thing, commit adultery or fornicate or blaspheme and sin against God? Wow. Man, Ray, that's so, so good. And it's that realization that this is who God is and this is what God has done. Mm -hmm. It's in the face of his overwhelming and abundant kindness. And along with that, Ray, I just got to say, you might be the only person on earth who wrote a book and can't remember its title. He's the only person on earth who wrote a book. And forgot that he wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, that did happen too. But, yeah, book on Joseph. I can't remember what it's called. The picture on the front <laughs> is Joseph's robe being run over. That's right. Yeah. For Whatever it's called. Might, for those who don't know this story, and I might not Mark, say it correctly, look up the but title of the book so we can get. Ray it wrote a book because he was asked to, and then the publisher reached out to him about this book, and Ray was like, "Oh, I haven't started it." But then, like the next day, he realized that not only did he start it, but he had it completed, just sitting in a file on his computer. <laughs> And he had completely forgotten that he had That's already written the book. That's because I was working book. on four books at the same time. And it, <laughs> and it messed me up. And I, I've got to do a book on memory loss. Here's something else. I've been meaning to do a book on memory loss for but a long time. you keep forgetting. You keep That's forgetting. it. Mark, remember that? How to Overcome Life's Endless Trials. That's it. That by Ray Comfort. Yeah, that's by Ray Comfort. Yeah, friends, check that book out, by the way. I forgot uh, the author, That is too. a good one. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the author. Check it out at livingwaters.com, and uh, there you'll see a lot of other things that'll encourage you. You know, we often quote the first part of Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but we miss the second part. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like saying, look... Yeah, that's the beginning of wisdom. And if you practice that, if you walk in the fear of the Lord, you've got good understanding because that is the true way of life according to God's design. So how can someone know if they truly have a fear of God, a healthy fear of God? I I like what Jerry Bridges said. Maybe we can start there. I can know if I truly fear God by determining if I have a genuine hatred of evil and an earnest desire to obey his commands. Well, I don't fear God because I am still tempted by the pleasures of sin. It that's, drives me crazy. That's that how it's, I was going to answer that. Yeah, I mean, I get before God and say, Lord, there's some evil that I don't know. I mean, I absolutely abhor abortion hmm. and wife beating and all these terrible things, but there are certain sins. There are Potiphar's wives that are around every corner that turn my head and I don't hate it and I have to take up my cross daily and deny myself hmm. with my teeth gritted. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point, this side of death where I actually can say I hate all evil and it just shows me the grace of God and, and uh, extending his yeah. mercy. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really good question, Mark, and I think... Uh, question, Mark question mark. Uh, and I think that I'd, I'd go in the direction that, that Ray is in the sense that I don't currently have a healthy fear of the Lord. Um, but are you growing? I mean, we change that's, from... That's the exact thing there is that as we grow in our sanctification, as we grow in our love and knowledge of his word and who he is, what we will discover about ourselves is that we are derivatives. 
that we are much smaller and in need of grace than we ever thought we realized. And what we will discover of God is that he is much bigger, far more powerful and sovereign than we ever could have realized. But he also loves us and knows us more than we could have ever realized. That's sort of the ongoing progress of knowing God is seeing ourselves through who we are and seeing him. I mean, you think about the apostle Paul, towards the end of his ministry, he said he was the chief of sinners. Does that mean that Paul sinned more towards the end of his life than he was when he was getting saved? No, Paul certainly was being sanctified. But even in the sanctification process, Paul realized more and more and more just how much more in need of grace he was actually in. I mean, look at that, right? So at the beginning of his ministry, he he said he was not worthy to be called an apostle. Right. Right. And then he said that he was the least of the saints. Uh-huh. And then following towards the end of his ministry, he referred to himself as the chief of sinners. That's pride. That. That's pride. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. I'll, yeah, I want you I, to comment on this unless you're going to say something on the same vein. Well, I was going to say that I think we can look and say that a person is walking in the fear of the Lord by, first of all, what they do in private when nobody's looking. And secondly, what they do when they do sin do they genuinely repent and are they broken before God? And is their repentance based on the fact they've sinned against God? Is it a vertical repentance versus a horizontal one? I violated my own standard. I blew my perfect record today. Yeah. So I think that's important. And again, obviously I hear what Ray is saying, right? We, we, we deal with temptations. Lust was mentioned. That's one that, that men are prone to give into on a whim because it can pop up in front of them. Or maybe let's say an outburst of wrath, someone says something and you get fired up and something comes out and so on and so forth. But we also see how, if we're walking the fear of God, we're tempered. So in other words, Ray isn't jumping on and searching pornography. Ray isn't going out and committing adultery, right? Or any of us here, we fear God. Mm-hmm. And so you see, those, you see those differences in that regard. And, and I think that's also evidence. You, you do see it by a restraint. I fear God. I'm not going to, to go in that direction. It's different than I was walking around and I gave in on a spur of the moment opportunity of lust, which again, we should be growing in that as well. We should be having that heart of Joseph saying, no, the nope, N-O-P-E, not one peak even, and we turn away, which we've talked about before. So I think it's, it's constant growth. It's evidenced in the fact that we do flee from, from sins on the whole, and it's also demonstrated by the fact that we're continuing to grow. Yeah. Can, I, can I add to that Go for it. and say that an important aspect of our growing and sanctification and a fight against sin is not just the fear of the Lord, but it's also the love of God. And you guys have heard me say this before. It's like, it's like the husband who cheats on his wife and gets kicked out of the house and he's laying there on the couch at his bachelor buddy's home eating McDonald's like, man, I miss my bed. I miss my wife's cooking. I miss, you know, all of the comforts and pleasures of my own home. And so he goes and he knocks on the door and the wife opens and he says, babe, forgive me. I'm, I, I, I don't want to feel your wrath anymore. I want the comfort of my bed and I want your cooking. Does that guy love her? Does he fear her or does he love himself? And does he fear the ongoing consequences of the sins that he's committed? And so while the fear of the Lord should hold us back in those times of temptation, 
if it ends there, we will never truly understand and love God for who he is. We must love him so that we are the kind of husband that would say, I'm not gonna cheat on my wife because I love her, not because I fear consequences in that same way. I don't wanna sin against God because I love him, not only because I fear those consequences, but because I reverently see him for all of his glory and who he is. Well, that's good. Yeah, and I think they're inextricably interrelated because if I love God, that means I care for his glory. I care for his honor, for his reputation as my father. And so there is that, that sort of combination of those things. And again, our fear of God is not terror. It's I, I'm in awe of you. I, I'm, I'm full of wonder toward you and respect and reverence. You are God and I love you. And I was gonna say earlier, the more we grow in our love for God, the more we'll grow in our hatred towards sin. That's good. Ray, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I pick up your point before. It says, they that fear the Lord have a good understanding. I don't know if I mentioned this before, how I drove from the ministry. We'd come down early to do orders, and I'd turn around and drive back into the early morning sun as it's just rising, just above the horizon when it's still able to be gazed upon because it's been seen through the atmosphere. But the brilliance of it as it came up absolutely blinded me where I was going down Flower Street here, just on the ministry main street, towards the sun, and I could not see a thing. I had my head out the window. I'd get out, wipe the window, and I couldn't even see through it. Uh, only time I could see is when I was in shadows. I could see where I was going. I thought, man, I could run over a dozen people going home and just feel the thump, thump, and not know it. But an hour and a half later, I had to come back to the ministry, and the sun was behind me, and I saw all things clear. Wow. It was an absolute pleasure to drive with everything being seen so clear. And it made me appreciate it because of what I've been through. That's what the fear of the Lord does. Mm. You can see all things clearly. You look at what's happened to our nation. We're not mystified as to what's happening. God's wrath is on this nation. We've lost his blessing. We have an understanding because of the light of Scripture and because we fear God and God's opened the eyes of our understanding. Yeah. You know, the number one reason that I hear why somebody doesn't share their faith, it's masqueraded as, you know, what if they ask me a question I'll have an answer for? But really, the number one question that I hear is that, that they have a fear. They're afraid. And it's an irrational fear. I'd like you guys to address maybe something that Sinclair Ferguson mentioned inside of his book called Grow in Grace, published by Banner of Truth. He said this, the fear of the Lord tends to take away all other fears. This is the secret of Christian courage and boldness. Mm. Wow. Comment that, use that easy. Talk about this in relation to evangelism. When you muster up the courage to go and maybe talk to someone, maybe an unpleasant looking someone who you feel like they're, yeah, they hate you. Well, I'll answer that quote with another quote. And this is from Richard Halverson. He said, men who fear God face life fearlessly. Men who do not fear God end up fearing everything. Mm. And I think it's the reminder of the fact that this person was born a baby just like I was. This person can do nothing to me that God mm. would allow. In other words, they can't do anything to me unless God allows it. And then I think about what the worst case scenario is for me, as Ray often talks about, and then the worst case scenario for them, mm. the wrath of God forever in hell. And so, that then helps me to overcome those feelings of anxiety that are rising up in me. And, and you know, that's, that's how I go about it. I love what John Bunyan said about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He said, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and they that lack it have neither beginning nor end. And <laughs> it's so true because what does wisdom do? It guides us, it leads us, it, it protects us, you know? And so I think it's, it's being 
you know, caught up in that. Great stuff. Yeah. And so as, as we wrap up, I, I want to just kind of quickly touch on remembering the benefits of the fear of the Lord, because there are benefits in it. We, we don't pursue the fear of God for the benefits, but listen to what scripture says. This is uh, Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rests satisfied and he will not be visited by harm. Deuteronomy 10.12, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul. And that has those benefits. Proverbs 19.23, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Isn't it the same one that you read earlier on? Prove it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is, actually. I had it twice here. But it was good to hear it again. Yeah. You know, it's like men, men, men need to, to, you haven't heard it first. Men need to hear things twice. Men need to hear things twice. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Didn't you read that one before? No, not that one. Wait, am I rereading stuff? <laughs> <laughs> now you're making me second guess myself. Proverbs, how, how many books are you written? Proverbs 14, 26. <laughs> and the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Proverbs 22, 4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And on and on I can go. Yes. But, but it's remembering that there are benefits to be had in walking in the fear of the Lord. And, and how do we get that? We need to come back into remembering who God is mm. and we need to meditate on his attributes and, and on his heart and on, on who he is. You know, you know, thinking of the subject, you think today we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. You think, oh, this is kind of going to be dry and horrible, but this has been a beautiful program. I want to talk just briefly about someone who might be listening, who might be thinking to themselves, man, like I do, I don't know if I'm saved and I fear condemnation and I fear the wrath of God and I fear death and eternal punishment. And let me just say, if that is you, perhaps the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal God to you and reveal something about yourself to yourself. And the beauty of the cross is that repentance is available and grace is near. You are in fact an enemy of God and you are in fact deserving damnation and eternal punishment. But the promise of the cross is that Jesus takes on the fullness of the wrath of God, everything that you deserve so that you can go from being an enemy of God to being, as Easy mentioned earlier, adopted sons of a father in heaven who then enters into an eternal relationship with him. And that all starts by receiving the grace of God through repentance. And so let us encourage you to repent so that you can move from fearing damnation to praising God for eternal salvation so that you can begin to grow in wisdom over fear of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, and I think we would be wise to take heed to 1 Peter 1.17 that says, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And that, that's biblical exhortation that as we travel through this earth during this brief time we have, that we walk in the fear of the Lord, understanding that we, even as believers, will give account to him one day, not under condemnation, but there will be a, a serious accounting for what we did with what he entrusted into our care. And our heart's cry needs to be with Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. Asking God to help us in that regard and, and, and connecting with that. And remembering that 
as we do that, there are lost people all around us. And, and I, I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. So may we do that effectively, friends. Thanks for joining us. Again, remember to check out our resources at livingwaters.com. Remember to rate the program, put in comments, to share it with others. Email us at podcast at livingwaters.com. And most importantly, walk in the fear of the Lord. This was pleasant. Yes. Praise the Lord. Very enjoyable. It was all right. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.